Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. Not much. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How's uh, how's working from home treating you? You still still hanging out okay? Yeah, it's doing well. You know, I'm I'm loving it. It work from home's easy. It's yeah. the uh, socializing from home that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing a lot of Tinder dates on uh, on video chats. Yeah, you know it, man. You yeah. know it. How's that been working out? Uh, I mean, new normal, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just taking it one day at a time, Pat. I mean, it is a a holiday today. Is there going to be a point when it's going to be considered unusual to wear a mask in public again? Because that's the way it was before, right? Like, if someone had a mask on... And they went into a bank. You could tell them, like, you know, take please take your mask off. I've I've been thinking about that a lot. Is like, are we going to see a lot more robberies when things go back to normal? I, I uh, to answer your Someone's first gonna- question, like, I do think wearing masks in public is the new normal. I think in cities, you like not everyone will wear it, but right. it's going to be like in China. Like in China, people would wear masks in public all the time, and it wasn't a big deal. Well, I or Japan, that, I would use Japan. Or Japan, yeah, I like, prefer Japan over China personally. But yeah, like we're going to model I, ourselves after someone. I I just uh, I just think that's going to be like the new normal going forward, where mm-hmm. there's going to be plenty of people who don't wear masks. But I think it's going to be like a perfectly normal to see people wearing masks. Yeah, it doesn't bother me to see. I think it's not not a bad thing, especially when it's like flu and cold season, and it just it just makes everyone a little bit safer. So. I mean, yeah, we're just we're just getting closer to that dystopian future in sci-fi movies, so I love it. Like everyone would go walking around you know, like wearing raver masks. That'd you know what's extra interesting though is that if people start wearing masks more often in public, like a lot of the um, like the social tracking that governments can do would be hindered quite a bit because if they're not able to recognize your face with a mask on, it kind of limits their ability to follow you around and track your every move. So. That's yeah, cool too. Th- that wouldn't work for me though, because like I I gotta you know represent myself. So but, like I would have like branded masks. You'd, you'd see me from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> like just like a big like grizzle brand portrait on the mask. Oh, is that with, what like, it is? I was just thinking like, someone's ruby eyes. Face all you do when you're playing grizzle brand. You just show people your butthole the whole time. I'll I'll, I'll file that under Plan B. That that'll be Plan B. <laughs> Oh man, I so uh, I sent you pictures in our group chat. I, uh, did I, I, so I'm worried what they are. After uh, no, 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 no. From yesterday's, so I was on this side job yesterday on Sunday, and I'm not going to get into it. But uh, it was just like the it was the 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 day from hell. Sunday was just friggin' awful, but it was great because Saturday night I was up till almost three in the morning playing uh playing Legacy with uh the Legacy Pit. I was on with Travis. Playing, streaming some paper um, matches, you know, remote nice, streaming some paper nice. matches, and that was uh, that was a ton of fun. That's the most magic I've played in, the, in since Niagara. <laughs> that was the last time I played like you no know, more than an F and M worth of magic. So that was a really good time. I uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a ton of fun. Hell people, yeah, dude. yeah. People haven't seen it, they can check out the VOD. But we had a really good time. Uh, we did about five or six shots for subscriptions throughout the <laughs> night, and it was uh, it was fun. 
Uh, we no, got to do uh, do a leaving a legacy night coming up soon, Pat. I would we love to do jump that. Jump on with a bunch of uh, people from the group. Yeah, Travis. I mean, Travis. I think it was we use Zoom, and um, he, you know, he has his own little setup. But I can stream that all from from my place, and we could have people zoom in with us, you and me, and stuff, and it would be a lot of fun. That's yeah. a good idea. Let's do it. It was not difficult. So, Sick. well, awesome. who we got on the cast tonight, Pat? Yeah, we have our our wonderful friend Wilson Hunter. What's going on, Wilson? Oh. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's Wilson. Uh, claim to fame. He is the Leaving of Legacy Facebook moderator. Uh, yep. That's probably what he's most well known for in, in the community, I would say. That's what I'm most proud of as well. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I know it's, uh, it's a duty you hold with like great esteem and honor. You do a changing of the guard every day at 6 a.m. I do. Yeah. I'm not yeah, I'm not ashamed of that. If, so. if you've ever watched like the the rifle inspections that the that the Marines do outside the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier that are like highly stylized and choreographed, that's basically what it's like when Wilson turns over uh the LAL page for the next shift. It's it's pretty it's pretty intense. He's got the white gloves out, he does mm-hmm. the look down, the sweep across the phone, look back at the glove, and yeah, it's pretty good. Well, it's good. I mean, his only other real duty is sending screenshots of the uh, the welcome, uh, like the questionnaire that people have to answer. Yeah, he's like, this guy's funny. He's in. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, the last the last one. Are we allowed to talk about this? The last one. It said, "Who is your favorite LOL co-host?" And instead of leaving it blank, they just said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that person didn't get in. They didn't make a cut. <laughs> I actually don't think they did. Jerry, did you decline? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like uh, Wilson for a while was keeping track of matching people because the question one is who's your favorite host. Question two is what's your favorite deck, and Wilson was just keeping track of like if there was any correlation between the favorite host and favorite deck. <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> yep. At one point, there were some pretty interesting questions on that survey, too. I think Pat had to change. Yeah, it. well, Wilson Wilson got a hold of it, and I, we let it go for a long time, and I think he was really tickled pink that we let let him go for so long. It was uh, it was pretty fun. Oh, man. That's some, in, that's some inside baseball for all you people. There you go. Right. Well, thank you guys for having me. This will be fun to talk about Legacy. I will say that um, Eternal Glory, my uh, ex-girlfriend podcast, if you will, uh, wanted me to come on last week but it's they record on tuesday nights and i can never really do tuesday nights so i think bryant is going to have an unpleasant reaction when he sees this <laughs> has he ever but had genuinely, a reaction to anything we do so that's fine well i love i love you guys i enjoy talking about legacy with my old brainstorm show people and i like i just like internal glory and in, in general so it's no uh I just had to preface this by saying, <laughs> Bryant, when you're listening, this is on Monday. I just can't do Tuesdays. It's okay. We're gonna we're gonna have to have Brian on. Brian hasn't actually come on the cast in a while, so he's definitely yeah. It's due been a to, minute. Uh, I love to have him on. Absolutely. <laughs> no hard feelings, Brian. <laughs> I'm sure he'll understand Wilson, but plus test sucks. So <laughs> <laughs> those comments definitely help. Uh, what you're really known for though, I would say at this stage right now in the community is, is cardboard life. Uh, could you do the jingle? I like the jingle cardboard life. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> is that it? That okay. is it. Um, so yeah, cardboard lives is your project that you got going on with, uh, James, you, who we had on the cast, uh, not too long ago. Uh, you want to give kind of everyone an update of what you guys have been up to? Yeah, we've been working on some stuff. Uh, we've been work- working on live 
in-stream card purchases. So two-click shopping of cards that you see in a stream um, using image recognition for Paper Magic or our game integrated program for Arena. So pretty excited about that. We're going to be able to release the alpha version of that in the next couple months. Yeah. And um, yeah. For the for the game integrated version for Arena, did you have to get Wizards permission for that, or is that just something you can do? Well, we work with them uh, on integrating with Arena for our extension. For the purchasing of cards, however, you're purchasing real world cards through watching people play Arena. Gotcha. So, our hypothesis is that the funnel Arena widens the funnel of Paper Magic. Um, by creating an easy viewing experience for people who may also want to build the decks they see in arena and paper. Um, so, you know, I mean, this is early stage startup stuff, so we'll, we'll really see, I guess, uh, the relationship between buying cards and supporting streamers by buying cards through their stream and how often people want to do that. Um, but it's also applicable to a lot of other things, so we're excited to, you know, obviously we love magic and that's why we're starting with with this type of thing in magic um but we are interested in exploring where this works and potentially other verticals as well so sweet definitely cool and then you get an hbo sitcom made after you (laughs) (laughs) um so i guess do we want to address the elephant in the room guys uh yeah we can talk about we're gonna talk about the the companions that have been uh just (laughs) It's crumbling the format before our very eyes. Multiple formats. So Akoria has launched, which I actually like didn't even realize it launched. Like I still thought we were in preview season or whatever, and then all of a sudden like deck lists are coming well, out. Previews used to be like three weeks long, and now I think they've they've nailed it down to just two weeks, maybe even yeah, because there's that, a because so. there's like a new set every other month, so right. they have to do it. Like, right. but um, yeah. So Akoria, how do you pronounce the set name? Yeah, Akoria. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it launched, uh, we were kind of maligning a couple things during spoiler season, uh, and now it launched and it seems like the big baddie of them all was companions. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some stats here that it was, so we just had the magic online challenges, which is the only tournaments really going on at this point. Uh, since everyone's quarantined uh and the first results came out and companions dominated absolutely every format like across the board um i think it was like 23 out of 32 of the legacy of the top 32 legacy decks 23 of them were a companion combo deck Mm -hmm. um six of the top eight were companion combo decks uh, and then it like, I think, uh, uh, all of modern top eight was companion, the majority of standard majority of pioneer, just every, every set seems to be dominated by one companions or the other. Um, how does this line up to what we were thinking in spoiler season? I mean, I thought we knew that Luris was going to be a good card for, for any, you know, almost any legacy deck that's playing black or white. Right. Um, it, <laughs> You know what's interesting is that a friend of ours, Elijah, had, had linked us uh, an article from Morrow from, I want to say it was 2015, about when Rosewater tried to get uh, basically the exact same mechanic into a set, and the people who were testing the set said it led to, I think it's a little bit anecdotal and a bit hyperbolic probably at this point, because, you know, that's kind of how Morrow writes, but, um, you know, that it was the least fun magic they've ever played, that taking the variants out of deck building is like, 
just is not what magic is about. Um, yeah, I just I just don't think these I don't think these companion cards are very uh, good for the for the game. I really don't. I think that I think that Wizards has been really neglecting their testing of other formats. I know that they're standard focused and EDH focused, and, and like let's be honest, that's what that's what they really care about are those two demographics. Um, but maybe even EDH before every other format, to be honest, because that's what really drives sales. But uh, it's just interesting to me that they've completely kind of neglected their testing of other formats or even consideration of other formats. We've seen like legacy, especially, but uh, you know, vintage to a lesser extent. Um, I don't think people play modern anymore, but you know, there's just, they're sent to a tailspin every time a new set comes out and it's gotten worse and worse. And I think really like war, the spark kind of started this whole thing and it's, it's just kind of escalated from there. And I, I just, I don't know. I don't really know what they're thinking. And, you know, maybe they've just made, the decision to just try to, um, you know, set the bar higher and higher for the for these wild cards they're putting out, um, you know, these insane cards. But I'm, you know, I don't really know. But I haven't been very impressed with the with their design. I, th- I think they're interesting design, but I just don't. I don't think they're good for the game. Wow! All right, that is a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Wilson. How, how does Companions compare for you? For how like you first got your impressions were with during spoiler season. Yeah, I guess let's, for me, it's a couple different levels of analyzing companions and how they affect our wonderful format of Legacy. Um, The first is just at face value. I think it's been said over and over again what companion does as a mechanic. In terms of a lot of the stuff, you know, that Pat is saying and uh, being the eighth card that you always have access to and all of that being inherently broken um, is, of course, true. However, the next part of this is the deck building constraint that goes along with being able to play a companion. And that is really where um, the, these cards didn't necessarily have to break legacy or really any formats in that the constraints could have been so extreme that uh, it's not a card that you would want to actually go through and, and do those things in, in order to play the card. Like, let's say the best companion was, like, you have to play an 80-card deck. Like, I know that's, like, the big blinky flying one. But what if that was the Luris, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, in in still the three-mana card or whatever, like, would people still be playing that? Probably, you know, a deck like Storm could not play that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's the combination of the constraint of the card and how the companion mechanic works. And when you take the Luris card specifically and have a constraint that fits right into like half of legacy decks anyways, and they just don't have to play maybe like one three mana creature that they're playing in a Delver deck or now Nauseam Tendrils, there's no changes at all. And then it becomes an instant upgrade. This is why the Otter was instant banned from EDH mm-hmm. because the constraint on that card was already the rules of the format. Right. <laughs> and so I'm building a cube list where it's the same thing. And it's like, if you pick the card your deck is just instantly going to be uh, that much better and you have access to this thing that your opponent doesn't have. So at the end of the day, you know, that is what um, it's probably, it would probably not a great idea for all the reasons that are listed, but it also could have been irrelevant for us if they had not made certain ones that were uh, really broken in the formats that we're talking Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. For me, I think what really speaks to the power level of these cards is 
when we first saw these cards and didn't really understand what they meant and what what this mechanic mechanic would mean for gameplay, when we were just valuing them off of their just inherent playability, um, we could pretty much said Luris was going to be playable, but we didn't really think the other ones were going to be that great. And in fact, not only is Luris in, in very very good. But there are two other companions, maybe even three, that all placed in the top 32 of this Legacy Challenge. There's the Fox that lowers uh, the activated uh, casting cost by two. That's being used in a Bomberman list. And I think it put two copies of the Bomberman list in top eight. Um, and then also, we probably would have seen a ton more, but it got emergency banned on uh, Magic Online. This is uh, Gr- Gruda. Yeah, Gruda. which imagine like... Or Gyruda, so- maybe Gyruda. So, so 23 out of the 32 decks were companion decks after an emergency ban banned one of the, the most powerful ones, which actually isn't even Luris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't emergency banned for power reasons. It was emergency banned because it was bugged mm-hmm. on Magic Online, and the bug actually makes it worse. So it's supposed to be able to fight through Rest in Peace and Leyline of the Void, but it doesn't on Magic Online. So they emergency banned it, and even though it's t- it's worse than printed, it's still seeing a ton of play. At least it was until it got emergency banned. Yeah, there's there's ten of these guys, and <laughs> two of them have already been banned before before their format is before any of the formats have really gotten off the ground with this set. Wait, so two of them? What's the well, other one? Well, Lutrian and Gyruda. Right? Why did Lutrian get? From EDH. Yeah, from oh, EDH. from EDH. Yeah, from EDH. Yeah, sorry. I, yeah, sorry, 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 sorry. I thought we were talking legacy. Um, yeah, no, it's it's just crazy. Um, Bob Huang actually had a, something interesting he posted on Twitter today that I think might make the most sense where he basically said instead of just banning all of these cards, just remove the companion mechanic and just have the cards be as printed out like, as just a regular card. Yeah, I, I it's uh, difficult to see them doing that maybe i mean obviously it's a possibility i i think it might be the right decision but i honestly don't think wizards will do this because wizards does not want to ban the flagship mechanic of their new set like that's terrible for sales yeah we're gonna (laughs) have to we're gonna have to suffer through this mechanic until the new sets until the next sets release and then they'll then they'll make adjustments i feel you know yeah but they just they don't want to do it they don't want they're not going to ban an entire mechanic like all these chase cards from their set that's providing value to their set, like they're not going to ban that. It's worth noting that these are actually all rares and not mythics. So that does that. that I'm sure that is going to be, becomes part of the equation, right? If they were the mythics, it might even be more of a problem with them being like the chase cards. But if they're rares, they're not nearly as. Uh, you know if they saying? were mythics, could you imagine if they were like this popular in mythics? These things would be a hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> these, they'd be new Jaces. Yeah, it, it's. I just don't understand. It, to me, it feels like they're really just like they have vacated their role. They're supposed to have. They brought in all these people. Do you remember, like two years ago, they brought in all these people? Like, uh, who the hell was it? Uh, Chion, Paul Chion, and all these other people who were supposed to be part of this elite testing group that they were that they had uh, to prevent these issues from happening. And it seems like that group is completely. I don't know if it's been broken apart or if they're no longer working there, but. It just feels like they're really, they've just dropped the ball in testing some of these formats, man. Some of these cards are just, like, insane. I, I don't necessarily want to blame the playtesters. I do. I think, I think no. Listen, I think- someone, someone's responsible for, someone 
I think playtesters, let me finish. Let me finish. Well, I think playtesters are playtesting these sets saying, wow, this is terrible. You guys shouldn't do this. And then sales saying print it anyways. I, man, I, I, I don't want to be that cynical, but I just, I just, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's the case. But I think, I mean, someone, someone's rubber stamped these through design to print. And that person, you know, whoever that is, is like really just like, I, I don't know. I, I can't imagine what they're thinking with some of these cards. I've we've just seen so many cards that have really broken it. Like like so between Uro Oko um, to a lesser extent. Well, no, hold hold on. No, the best part about companions is Oko and Uru or an Astrolabe aren't anywhere to be seen because the companion decks pushed them all out of the format. So be careful what you wish for, Pat. You <laughs> wish for Oko and Astrolabe to disappear, and guess what? They their popularity is taking a sharp all, nosedive. First of all, I, we we can go into this, but I don't think Oko is nearly <laughs> as big of a problem as uh, as people make it out to be. I mean, it's a good card, but it's and it probably should cost four mana instead of three. But it's not an insane magic card. Uh, Uro is probably a little more egregious. That's kind of annoying to play against. Uh, see, that's how I find out feel about Uru. Uru is just annoying. Uru yeah. isn't super powerful. It's just annoying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's 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 it. Uh, well, it's a powerful card. I don't think you can't say it's not super powerful. It's it's what, put what a land into play, Wilson? gain what three do, life, draw think? a card. Huh? I want to know what Wilson. People have heard ours a million times. That's what true. Do- well, I was told before the podcast. I could disagree with Pat, but not yeah, good boy. Good boy. How, however, I genuinely do. I think agree with Jerry in this situation. <laughs> in that, uh, I think Oko is stronger than Uro, in my opinion. Um, obviously, they're both incredibly good. Uro is the kind of card that is more of a uh, meta type uh, breaker, where if like a certain type of deck is good, it might actually be the best card. It might be better than Oko. In, in a lot of decks and matchups. Uh, but I just think just across the board, you know, and you look across all formats, like if you like vintage, maybe legacy, metagame agnostic legacy, I think Oko is a better card. The other thing about Companion, though, I was going to say is like, I think what you guys are saying is right about, I think the, the cat, I don't know the names of all these cards, but the cat, the fox, and the uh, otter. Mm-hmm. I know those are three of them, yep, right? Yep. The- those are like very clearly broken in certain for non-standard formats like I, I don't know how it could possibly you know i mean you could you could like look at those cards for a few minutes and be like, okay somebody's i mean there's gonna be broken other formats however the big giant octopus thing okay, takes some that one that one's actually the one the one that was emergency banned is the one i'm actually most fine with <laughs> right well also because it's just it's it i'm not going to blame any tester for that it's a weird deck that really broke it you know and <laughs> clone um, dot deck right I, and it's, it's like still, it's like another char yeah. belcher oops all spells right. like this is a deck where like the deck restriction is so severe that really only this deck can do it and it's a right. funny meme deck that sometimes does really cool stuff but other times falls flat on its face Exactly, and, and I haven't. I don't haven't been playing enough to know yeah. how good it is compared to Belcher and Oopsal spells. It looks like it is like potentially a better version of those decks, which is sort of. I find it annoying that it's sort of like those decks. If you had always had a Char Belcher in your hand, that's how I've heard it but, described. It's basically Char Belcher yeah. if you started with Char Belcher in your hand, and that is annoying. Like you said, though, it's like the format could easily survive through that. I think because people can beat that type of deck. It just is annoying that that exists. Yeah, so. Actually, so the winner of the Legacy Challenge was JPA. He was taking a break from casting show and tells and sneak attacks, and 
he actually beat the Chipa- companion meta by running companions himself, but also running main deck meddling mage. Because meddling mage is hilarious with that's companions. Actually, that's a pretty great call, actually. <laughs> <laughs> because you have to reveal your companion at the beginning of the game. So mm-hmm. like, all right, meddling mage, <laughs> name your companion. <laughs> yeah, no, that is obviously good. I mean, you won, you paid off. However, the fact that you have, like, it's like they still get to play a normal game of magic and you have to play a card that prevents their companion from happening and you're playing your own. So it's sort of like just going really deep on the companion meta. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing is like, that's what kind of is making me a little bit worried that we're already reaching like late game meta-ing in the first tournament. (laughs) (laughs) Like JPA's move is like, that is a late game meta. Like the meta has developed and you were making like a called shot on it, but he was just like right out of the gates. This is what we're going to (laughs) do. Um, my biggest problem with companion is it's going, it leads to super repetitive magic because companion as a mechanic is so powerful. Like having an eighth card is so inherently powerful. It doesn't make sense not to Mm -hmm. like any deck that could play a, a companion should play a companion. And because it's always in your hands, you're going to see that in every game and it's going to lead to super repetitive games. And that's what I don't like the most about them. Hmm. Yeah. It, it does feel like it's a really weird space right now where it feels like some people get to play a different game than other people. So if you don't have, it's just, it just feels so ridiculous if you don't get to have a companion, right? It's like playing my uh, 2018 magic, the gathering deck against a hearthstone deck is what it feels like. But that's the thing is they're playing around in this like sort of game space of, oh, yeah, okay, but if there's an opportunity, like if you're actually giving something up, then that's that's sort of cool, right? But the the problem is sort of like what you said. It's like you're not really giving anything up. In fact, these companions are making decks better that don't have to give anything up at all, like the fox and the the cat, right? And um, so it's just sort of insane. Yeah. Let's actually, let's go through, um, the Fox deck because I really think the painter list does look really cool. And if you like these types of decks, I suggest you play it ASAP because I don't (laughs) see these companions being around for very long. Um, so, uh, so we have four, uh, three lion's eye diamond, four Lotus petal, Two Mishra's Bobble, four Mox Opal. Oh, I'm sorry, four Mishra's Bobble, uh, four Mox Opal, uh, three Manifold Key, one Voltaic Key, three Grim Monolith, three Basalt Monolith, uh, four Auric Salvagers, four Karn Scion of Urza, four Karn the Great Creator, uh, three Mystic Forge. Uh, two of Ugin, the ineffable, and then three walking ballista. <laughs> and then it's running the companion Zenola one hybrid, red, white, hybrid, red, white for a three, three, each permanent card in your, uh, starting deck has to have an activated ability and activated abilities. You control cost two less mana to activate this. This deck looks disgusting. <sighs> <laughs> So you can make infinite mana with Basalt Monolith with your companion, and you can pump that infinite mana into Walking Ballista to win the game. Um, You can just prison your opponent out with Karns, or you can use the Bomberman combo with LED and Oriok Salvagers 
uh, to just combo out uh, that way. Also, because you're running Lion's Eye Diamonds, your Zenardras are are essentially free because Mm -hmm. you just crack LED, you have no cards in hand but three white mana, and you just cast your commander and start to go off. Yeah, casting these things off LED is particularly amusing. Yeah, like, if companions don't get banned, I honestly think LED will. Like, I don't see see these two cards existing in the format for very long together. Did did you see uh, uh, Joe Dyer's tweet this morning? Now what he say? So he's this is his turn one. He so he's uh, on the on the draw. His turn one is ancient tomb, grim monolith, um, basalt monolith. He has a Karn in play and Zerdra Zerd- in play with thirty two uh, colorless mana floating, <laughs> and he and his opponent just scooped the game. <laughs> that's that's his turn one. That's ridiculous. That's amusing. Yeah. I just got a beta basalt monolith a Ooh. couple of days ago, so that's exciting. Oh, good pickup. Good pickup. Also, Mystic Forge is really good in that type of deck, just yeah. drawing everything out. Like it's pretty insane. Definitely. Um, Wilson, you've been playing a lot of vintage lately. How do you think com- companions are gonna affect the vintage meta? I have. So uh also just let everybody know, you know, I've gotten Phil and Paul, old brainstorm show buddies back into magic via vintage. Mm. So we're doing some, some zoom vintage. We did some last night. We're doing some more this Very week. Very cool. Um, but uh, my, my first vibe so far is that there is a, what, what level am I allowed to talk about vintage on the cast? Am I allowed to go no, deep go straight into terminology? Go deep, man. Okay. Go deep. So uh, there's, you know, paradoxical outcome combo deck and vintage is, is one of the more popular decks. And there's definitely a variant that plays Lurus uh, in in these first couple weeks that has been putting up uh, reasonable results and looks decent. However, I think Vintage, more than anything else, should be perfectly fine with the Companions. Um, now, I could be you know, looking back on the, those comments in a month and thinking that that's really stupid that I said that. But you have to give up some pretty significant things. Like some of the better uh, win cons in the Paradoxical Outcome deck were uh, Monastery Mentor, which you can't run with Lurus, uh, Bolus's Citadel, which is a, the best Tinker target in the in the format. Uh, that's basically a, a better Yawgmoth's bargain that happens to be an artifact, if, if people aren't aware of that. Um, and so you can't run these cards. So you have to build what is essentially a new version of the Parax- Paradoxical Outcome deck to run Lurus. Um, but, I, but I think based on some early results and just looking at the decks, it's obviously like pretty decent. But yeah, as a whole, though, there's so much uh, broken stuff you can do in Vintage that having this type of card and access to it uh, is generally offset um, by the, the the different things that you have to play in your deck so far, I guess, until somebody finds the right Vintage deck that can just run these cards without really sacrificing anything they need. Uh, but yeah, so that's my, that's my first... First reaction is interesting for the format, going to be playable in some ways, not totally changing the the dynamic of how the format operates cool. at the moment. And yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if that stays true with Legacy. Um, I feel it's going to just with the, what we've seen so far, but past performance does not predict future results. Yeah, you mean like changing the format, changing around companions? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the thing is like there's there's legacy decks that really don't have to change anything to play these cards, which makes it, it that's what makes it very different from vintage in, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Pat. Yes. 
how were your your matches in the pit? Oh man, uh, it was a ton of fun. Um, so I have again, I haven't played Legacy in quite a while, um, and uh, you know me, Magic Online like isn't my favorite way to play. So this was actually really, I had a ton of fun. Um, it was a very great substitute for not being able to play like in person. Uh, Travis was awesome. He had a couple different decks with him, and then we also uh, patched in a few other players as well. Um, it was uh, David and gosh, I can't remember the other guy's name, but they were all super nice. Uh, played against uh, Snoko. I played against uh, Bug Zenith Oko. Um, played against Elves, and I played the Mirror, the Blue Red Mirror. Um, ended up going, I think, on the night overall. My matches, I went. Four one, I believe, um, or five and one. I had I had a good showing, um, but it was a ton of fun. Uh, I really got to play with uh, Arcanist for the first time, uh, like actually play him play him quite a bit because uh, the, the games I had played beforehand when I went to F and M's, it just never really became a card that I got to cast. And that card is like super fun to play. Uh, it's incredibly powerful. It swung games my way that I probably didn't have any right to win. Um, like I said, uh, Uro was, was bull- a bullshit card. It's kind of annoying to play against. <laughs> Again, it's not like a bannable card. It's just annoying to play against it at some point. Sometimes, Dude, like- believe me, I, I played against Travis with a blue white stone blade mm-hmm. and I, I bounced Uru twice with Jace. Yeah. That feels, that's a terrible feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was, that was fun. Um, yeah. Like I said, Uro's annoying. Oko is just it's a, a little bit, uh, yeah, like annoying, especially as a three drop. But again, it's not not unbeatable, especially because I had, I, I wasn't sure what we were playing against that night, but and I didn't really change my sideboard up a whole lot. Like I think, I actually have my deck right with me, but the only card I didn't have that I wanted to play was Brazen Borrowers. But my sideboard for the Delver deck was just uh, Blood Moon, Gat, Graftigger's Cage, uh, Winter Orb, Null Rod. A force of negation, two flush of storms, which I think flush of storm is probably not a useful card at this point, but I'm not sure. A couple of braids, a couple of surgicals, and three red blasts and a narset. Um, the three red blasts came in in almost every single one of my matches, uh, except with the exception of elves, and that was great, especially being able to flashback a red blast to 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 kill Uro, kill a Jace. Um, I actually got to play against Leovold a few t- a few times that night, and everyone was playing um, everyone was playing Carpet of Flowers. I don't know how often you see that card around, but I'm used to that seeing just that out of yeah. I'm used to seeing that just out of Enchantress, but all these Bug Oko decks are playing Carpet of Flowers as well, um, especially for the Blue Mirror. So that was pretty interesting. But um, yeah, being able to flashback um, Red Blast just to just take care of all these uh, blue permanents, troublesome blue permanents, was pretty great. Um, yeah, so it was a good time. Um, like I said, I, I'm not. The more and more I played with uh, with Arcanist, the more the less and less I liked that that one one for red and blue sprite that we were talking about with perma prowess. Um, I just don't think that it can can push Arcanist out of that deck. Wait, you didn't? Did you not test it? No, did I didn't test, test it. it I didn't pit? test it. I told I told Travis I was like, oh, I'm thinking about testing this card, but. I didn't want to like you know pull out you know the the basically undo the deck that I had and try to build a new deck from scratch because that is definitely not my forte. Um, but uh, but yeah, we had we had a good time with it. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, we he got a lot of subs. Uh, we had a lot of people in chat, so it was a good time, man. I we really really enjoyed it and uh, would definitely do it again if he invites me back. I know that uh, 
he was happy to get a win against the LAL hosts because I heard you really thrashed him on on stream <laughs> last time, which is pretty funny. And he's calling me back. I, I needed to go show up to the pick to give him a chance back at nice, the title. Nice. Uh, the, it was great because at the end of the night, it was about mm, around one thirty in the morning. Luke had gotten out of bed, and my wife was actually working an overnight, so I, I was watching the kids. And uh, Luke had gotten out of bed, and he was fine. I just like you know tried to get him to go back to bed, and then like ten minutes later, he got back up and like came in here. He wanted me to snuggle him, so I'm like, all right, just sit here, just hang out with me. I put him on my lap. I'm like, you know, you can hold my cards for me while we finish. Just massacring Travis. I'm like, Travis, I can't believe you're making me do this in front of my five-year-old. This is awful. And I just raffle stomped him in the last game of the match. And uh, but no, we had we had a, such a good time. And uh, shout out to Travis and all the guys at Legacy Pit. Like they put out a great product. Uh, he really Travis really cares about the community. He really puts a lot of effort into into his stream. He's got, I mean, he's got more equipment than I could even even list you know what i mean he's got really like the just the top-notch stuff so they, they do an awesome job he's got a whole studio down there so i just can't say enough good things about travis and the guys down there if you haven't watched the legacy pit um they stream a few times a week they're really starting to get back into a groove because they took about a month off um but they stream at at uh twitch.tv slash the legacy pit and i highly highly recommend it like i said you can see the vod's if you want to see me stomp travis i'm like you know you can tell i'm starting to get a, feel a little warm from all the shots and uh it was fun we had a really good time Nice. Yep, we're definitely um definitely looking to like play some more paper matches um over over video conferencing uh this week. We were we were talking. We need to do a uh legacy podcast host uh showdown. I would lo- yeah, well, I would like a little invitational. I would love to do that. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. We should get that together for sure. Wilson, you can judge. <laughs> what? I don't get to be in it? I'm sorry. What podcast are you part of, Wilson? Wilson, listen. Wilson's hey. part of like he's he's like part of the 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 legacy. Unless do you want? Will I? You can play on the uh, you can play on the LEL team. He's a, as, he's a legacy a podcaster. Not like not like the format, but just in the fact that he's been in the game for so long. He's an alum. Know? He's an alum. Yeah, he's an alumnus. Exactly. So I mean, he's 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 launched uh, multiple successful po- legacy podcasts. So. You got to give it to him, man. <laughs> if I if I get Phil Braverman to play on like a team with me in this, the brainstorm show has to come out with a new episode. How about that? <laughs> to do that, <That's> fine. <laughs> you just you're welcome, everyone so, listening, everyone so, listening. I just want to let you guys know I just got you guys another episode of the brainstorm. So many show. people just got so excited, like we're so sick of listening to the swill that comes out of Jerry and Pat's mouth. <laughs> We need to get some actual, real like analysis in this in this thing. Well, we we were joking because since the the crew is back playing magic on these web conferencing apps, we were talking about how you know if we if we got back together and did an episode, our hope. I mean, maybe we would get totally rejected, but we were thinking like, you know what, the bar is probably pretty low. It's sort of like if Crosby, Stills, and Nash like goes on tour. <laughs> And they sound like they sound awful, but everybody just is like remembering the yeah. good old times. And- you give them, you give them a pass. You give them a pass yeah. for the first one back, dude. Yeah, you're, you're gonna be like, like the, ride uh, the nostalgia. You're gonna be like the Bob Dylan concert I went to go see, <laughs> where I just like, man, that was actually physically painful. But I get to say that I saw Bob Dylan. <laughs> Well, we're we we relying on on that for because uh, I don't think we know what we're talking about really right uh, now. But that's never stopped Jerry and I. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Oh man. Uh, speaking of, but it would be motivating to beat Bryant though in a, some sort of competition. Excellent. So, uh, again. <laughs> uh, 
speaking of, we actually have some some listener questions for you, Wilson. Oh, okay. Yeah. We we ready for this, Pat? Do you have the list pulled up? Yeah, I do. Um, hold on. Got 900 chats going on here. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, so let's go through these questions. We got some good ones on here. Uh, yeah, we do. Um, let's see. All right. Steve Sizemore asks, what's the hardest part of playing? I, I don't know how many of these are going to be trolley questions, but we'll see. What's the hardest that. part of playing a companion deck? I think Steve's question is meant to be trolley, but is in un, uh, unwittingly insightful. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna <laughs> acknowledge that that is probably a troll question, but let's let me let's try to answer it mm-hmm. though, right? Yeah. Because you read that out. The hardest part of playing a companion deck in general. Um, None of them work with show and tell. I was trying to refrain from making. <laughs> I went straight for that low hanging fruit. Right. Um, I would say the fact that JPA like somehow did something extra to his deck to beat other companions is interesting. So, you know, magic is never as autopilot as people make it seem. It's easy for us to all complain about the things that happen in magic. And at the end of the day, everybody is still trying to get an edge within the system that we have. So I would say the most difficult part of it is the fact that it's so new that it it puts a more significant, um, burden on deck building than just introducing a new card because it plays totally different than most things that we've had before. Um, so I don't know. That's my vague answer to that, I guess. Okay. I like it. I like it. That is true there. You know, it is still new cards on explored territory. It's not, you know, while it's kind of scary what they've done so far, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Other than just like tossing it into ant. Now somebody had to build that, crazy clone octopus deck you know like yeah i'm sure people know who that is i don't know who that is but that's i that took some skill i guarantee you that crazy clone octopus deck started off as a meme deck and then they had like a 90 percent win rate and they're (laughs) like oh shit (laughs) i found the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow boys (laughs) exactly like pirate stompy (laughs) exactly exactly it's like if pirate stompy were real (laughs) that's right um what do we got next all right, we have uh, Phil Romans asks, how will Cardboard Live be affected by a webcam game? <laughs> that, that's a good question. So, you know, we, we've never had any plans to be involved in um, virtual paper streaming when it comes to communicating with somebody on two sides of mm-hmm. a video. However, uh, we do have some things that have been in the works for a while and are hopefully getting closer here when it comes to Um, image recognition on paper magic and digitizing that experience to make it um, easier to understand. So, so yeah, I mean, I would say that if, if there's more of a trend of paper magic being streamed, then that's always something that's been interesting Mm -hmm. to us. And we have some uh, patented now technology that is built for image recognition on card games, which is pretty cool. That would be amazing. Like, I think it would be awesome to play a game of paper magic under a webcam and then that webcam recreate a digital representation of that for people at home to watch and, 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 you know, be able to more accurately see the board state. Like, I think that would be huge. That would be awesome. Like, yeah, I just remember every time I watched a star city game stream, the chat would constantly just like every like 15 minutes, someone would be like, Oh, they should come up with a, with a, 
hand cams like uh, the poker stars do mm-hmm. so that we could see their hands. Right. And it's like every single person, all, all they want is like, what's in their hand? Just show me like what their hand is. That's right. Yeah. So we do have technology right now that identifies what a card is and then identifies which card it is pretty accurately. Um, it's just a matter of building out like a user interface that actually digitizes all that in an effective way for people. So very cool. Nice. Very cool. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. Uh, <laughs> Adam Wallace says, wow, the Wilson Hunter. He's very excited about that. Uh, he asks, please ask about achieving Valinor in Lord of the Rings pinball and see when oh, Cardboard yeah. Live will come out with the ability to wow react directly on people's deck lists. <laughs> this is the best question. <laughs> no, so here's this is all, okay. So this is why it's the best question, because he is joking with the wow react thing. <laughs> And doesn't even know about the Twitch extension emotes by cardboard.live. <laughs> and I I encourage everybody to look this up right now. And I'm not making this up on, on Twitch TV. Search search under extensions and search emotes by cardboard.live. And it's actually one of uh, Twitch's sponsored emotes right now or uh, sponsored extensions right now. Wow. This allows you to uh, emote things in a stream. Um, and it's gamified and it uses bits if the streamer wants to turn on bits. Mm. So it's something we threw together as a initial test. However, the idea is that you could emote specific items and objects in a stream. And, um, that can tell both the viewers and the streamer information about what's happening. And we can also track data, (coughs) data on what is being emoted and turn that into interesting insights for the viewers. Now I'm going to follow up. How long until we get your favorite meme incorporated, surprised owl? <laughs> uh, yet, yet another joke. However, yes, yes. There's a there's there's a backlog item in our uh, <laughs> that, that we that we have that is like it's like Wilson memes being added to the emotes that you can you can spam. So we have like. Uh, jacked mickey that we're gonna add in there i don't know if you guys know about jack no, mickey. i don't know about jack <laughs> i do know about okay i do know about jacked mickey oh good gravy <laughs> well there, there's quite a few that we we were gonna add in there it's just so, it's like some easter eggs but uh yeah so for everyone listening at home who doesn't know what i'm talking about you also need to just search just go to google and type in surprised owl gif and it is it is the greatest emote i think in in history <laughs> and wilson loves or, to uh, spam it or Owl Bambi. Owl Bambi. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's Pat's favorite that I do. <laughs> oh, is that what it's the is owl that from, walking around in a is circle? Is that from Bambi? I've actually never yeah, seen the movie, yeah, yeah. but I do I actually have that that saved on my phone, that gift saved on my phone so I can use it whenever I want. I don't have to look for it. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, is that just the owl like Yeah, in walking a in a circle but its head doesn't move? <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> Or uh, or what's the what's the rating of this podcast? Like what level of inappropriate? Oh, whatever, whatever you like. Here? You can go wild. Oh, really? Okay. So for some reason, Facebook used to have like highly inappropriate gifts <laughs> in their messenger library, and one day, like, just started purging them. Um, but there used to be one that you could search. Uh, you could search the term "running running purple man." Oh God! <laughs> but it but it was a a giant penis. <laughs> Oh, I running, remember. running through the forest. I, I remember this. I remember this. And it was, but it, but it was like it was just 
flying through the forest, <laughs> and it was never stopping. And it was a it was a really nice. I thing. think we just got but, the title um, for this ep- for this episode. By the way, <laughs> running running purple yeah. man. <laughs> All right, but sorry to distract. But that's the the best part of these questions that you guys are asking is we actually built a way to emote cards and deck lists. You're not um, you're not memeing with me. I'm memeing with you. That, that's right. Oh, but the okay, the, the actually okay, the most important part of that question was achieving Valinor in Lord yes. of the Rings pinball. Yes. So, we actually had Lord of the Rings pinball in the cardboard live office. I don't know if people know that. Why haven't I been and, invited um, to the cardboard live office yet? You're welcome to come, Jerry. I want oh, to. This sounds just amazing. Got invited. One yeah, once this is over, let's let's have a let's do that competition that I'm not invited to play in, <laughs> but I can observe in my office. Yeah. Um I right, get as long so, as we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently people are starting to know about these pinball wizard modes. I guess I talked about it way too much on Eternal Glitter Podcast, but the wizard mode of the Lord of the Rings pinball machine, which is a, a pinball machine from two thousand three, is one of the uh, notoriously most difficult to achieve wizard modes in all of pinball. I have never done it. It takes like an hour of playing perfectly and going through this adventure um, with you know just the three balls mm-hmm. that you have. To, Wait, hold to on. What is achieve. wizard mode, and does it exist in other pinball games besides Lord of the Rings? Yeah, generally the the wizard mode is like your pinnacle achievement on a pinball machine, which usually is involves you accomplishing every task that the machine wants you to accomplish. Wow. Um, so it's usually not score related. So a lot of people step up to a pinball machine. They just want to get the highest possible score, which is certainly like, you know, one way of achieving pinball success is getting the high score on the machine. But another is, is going through this epic adventure and every machine has their own wizard mode. It usually involves completing all of the modes or quests or tasks or whatever in the, in the machine. So Lord of the Rings, you have to basically journey through all the movies, do all of the quests, collect all of the travelers, uh, blow up destroy the ring, uh, do all these different things. And then you finally achieve the wizard mode. And it is an incredibly difficult. That's amazing. I actually never, I never realized how like, um, nuanced pinball machines can be because like, to me, it was always just like, you just smash the ball. And like, are you now, are you a guy who like lets the ball come down and you trap with the plunger and then let it go and then fling it? Or do you just let the ball come down and you just time it and fling it right away? That's a really good question. There's because you could play both of those styles very competitively. Mm-hmm. I I do like trap up a lot. Like I I play pretty methodically. However, there are different machines that lend themselves to those different hmm. styles. And so, um, you know, I'm still I am not nearly as good as a great player. It's like pinball. There's such a wide range of skill, just like mm-hmm. anything, right? However, it's different than Magic. Like, you could go to F&M and be in the Magic Hall of Fame and lose to an F&M player. Um, pinball, it's like, there, while there is still variance that makes it interesting, generally, like, a pinball wizard-type player is going to beat somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, like, like 99% wow. of the time, right? My style is um, button mash, so you don't <laughs> die. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, one of the... So... One of my favorite things to do, like as an adult, and this is something I really have begun to relish in, is like talking to people who are passionate about things that I have no idea about and learning how, how, uh, like even little things can have a ton of depth to them that you, that on first glance, you don't realize that it has, you know, like you look at a pinball machine and you think that it's, it's, there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, it has a lot of lights and different mechanisms, but even like the construction and the gameplay of a pinball machine, it seems is very interesting to me. So that's, that's cool to know. 
Oh yeah, dude. It's like it can be like a whole story, and that's that's also why like pinball machines with themes that are interesting to the player are also keep you really coming back once you understand what you're trying to accomplish. Like for example, if you enjoy Lord of the Rings, and then you also understand the way the pinball machine is working, it can be very immersive in in, in going mm-hmm. through all of that. You know, I was gonna say, yeah. was the Lord of the Rings pinball game your gateway into pinball nerdum, Wilson? Because I feel like it could certainly be my gateway into pinball nerdum. You know, that's a that's an interesting question. My, I don't think that that machine in particular was my gateway. My gateway was more of these like mid nineties. Uh, machines that were actually more simple. Uh, so that was sort of like the era where there were, there were some pinball machines that had themes, like there's like Twilight Zone and Indiana Jones, which a lot of people know. But then there's some like sort of uh, machines that were made just for pinball, like Attack from Mars. It's just like you battling these aliens that come to Earth and it's not based on a movie or anything. And it was it's much more simple than something like Lord of the Rings, but um, recognizable by a lot of people. Really fun. Mm. So. Yeah, those mid-90s games got me into it. Nice. I just remember you actually took me to a pinball bar once, Wilson, in, in Boston. You looked it up. You were so excited because apparently there was a, there was this pinball bar in Boston, and you were coming to see me, so you wanted to go to it. So me, you, and Bryant Cook went to this pinball bar, and you told me there was the Lord of the Rings pinball game. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's the one I want to try. I want to try this Lord of the Rings pinball because I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. And we go over and there's there's this group of three three girls standing in front of the pinball machine and we just go up and you go, uh, excuse me, are you using this? Can you can you move? <laughs> we just like <laughs> They're using it like as a beer stand. <laughs> like we just come, like the three of us just go up and was like, oh, hey, hey, how's it going? Like, oh, yeah. Like, can you get out of the yeah, way? Yeah, we're not here to meet you. We're here to play wizard pinball. <laughs> yeah, you are right. in the way of our wizard meeting. <laughs> That's right. That's a hard bar game though, Jerry. It's like that, that game actually takes like a lot of concentration to like figure out. Yeah. It but. was very difficult. I think I stopped after one round. Cause I'm like, all right, now <laughs> yeah. these three girls are glowering at us. I don't really feel in the zone. <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> so, so how, how easy is it to acquire a pinball machine for your home? And like, are there different levels that like, can you buy, are there like lower end pinball? Mach- I mean, I, I imagine this is true, but like, are there lower end pinball machines? Can you get like refurbished ones from like game places? How does that work exactly? For sure. So I have a relationship with one of the guys in central Virginia who um, runs, basically has pinball machines across a variety of locations as a business. And so I had him put some that he was not using in the Cardboard Live office, which is how I was able to get them on free play in Cardboard Live office. Um, However, purchasing them for yourself, there's a whole secondary market of -hmm. of machines and they they frankly have like very high resale value, uh, which is why it's it can be appealing to people because if you get a used one, generally um, de- it does depend on the machine. It also depends on when you get it in its in its life cycle. But you can you can sort of go infinite on like having a machine, getting another machine you want. You know, sort of getting some diversity hmm. there. But there is a huge price range difference depending on the types of machines. They can run anywhere from you know three thousand to ten thousand dollars depending wow. on the machine. Ah, uh, damn! So there isn't any like five hundred dollar pinball machine. Some of the older ones are like that, but you know they're they're more mm. antiques for sure. And also that the market has increased drastically in price in the past That's five amazing. years. Um, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get back to the questions. Um, yeah, it had a nice pinball. Diversion. Yeah, I like that. That was awesome. <laughs> um, what's the <laughs> James uh, Est, Estep Estep Estep? 
Uh, what's the hardest part of playing Brainstorm and Ponder? I feel like we could go on a whole show about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's another that's another <laughs> meme thing, right? So I think the correct answer has something to do with like shuffling your Ponder until you find your show <laughs> or something. Um, okay, this is a good one. I think you'll dig this one. James Whitehouse asks, uh, would you be looking to include the triomes or companions into your cube? Wait, what? Oh, you knew I would like that one. Yeah. <laughs> what are the triomes? Those are the three colored lands that have a cycling oh, three ability. The trilands. The trilands. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, called yeah, triomes because yeah. they're all like they're. I think that's actually part of the names of them. There's like different triomes, but they are. Uh, yeah, that there are three colored lands that are fetchable, I believe, uh, that come into play tapped, but also have a cycle three ability. Yeah, that's right. So yes, I'm adding all five. I for a while considered whether I should add the three blue ones or all five of them. Um, for some people that are very OCD, I know that it's annoying that they don't have the allied versions of these. However, you don't have to perfectly balance every color combination as long as across the board you're trying to maintain gener- general mm-hmm. balance, right? So I, I'm fine example, with that. Yeah, so I'm ahead. fine with them like just printing like the allied colors or the enemy colors what i wouldn't be fine with is if like they just printed the blue ones and not the other ones well for a while you know i mean so murmuring bosk is an example yes. of a fetchable triland that existed and nothing else really like i wish they would i wish they would complete that cycle i really do i feel that that's pretty it's cool. a super interesting cycle and i would love for them to complete it i want them to do a blue uh Herborg tomb of yogmoth that would be really good for my cube it helped you Cast like It'd be really good for high tide too. <laughs> well, it'll let you do some interesting. Things. It'd be it would be good for you could run uh, bubbling muck high tide with Herborg and whatever that card is. That'd be pretty sweet. Okay, but yeah, in regards to the triumphs, it's pretty cool because nine of the ten fetches can get mm-hmm. the triumph. So it it really makes for a seven twenty, which is what I have, which is double the size of running an eight man draft where you see half the cards. Um, it decreases some of the feel bads of going in on fetches and you just don't get the duel or shock in your color pair. Uh, so it has, for example, being an enemy tricolor land, it has the enemy two, uh, each enemy combination has two tri lands that match to it. Each allied pair has one. So it's basically two extra fetchable duels for the enemy, one for the allied. Um, the cool thing is allied already has the mm-hmm. bicycle lands that that are also fetchable so it actually balances out pretty well and uh but yeah in addition to all that you know i have 120 lands in my cube that's another part of my cube design philosophy is it's there's so many playables that you can spend more picks on lands and those picks inherit make your deck better because you're not you're not needing to pick a lot more cards than are going to mm-hmm. be in your deck because your deck is there's all that's these powerful cards. See, I I love that and I feel that's the biggest problem with the Vintage Cube on Magic Online right now. Like I think the current iteration of the Vintage Cube on Magic Online is god awful. And I think a big problem with that is they really like got rid of a lot of the mana fixing and it just makes for less interesting deck building. Mm. Yeah, I have a lot of things to say about the Vintage <laughs> you but um but yeah it is it is interesting like the other the problem and so i have a very powerful legacy cube what that means is i have time walk and time twister and some other things i do not have mox and lotus soul ring mana trip mana vault or library um but what that does is i think it makes a lot more things uh playable um the curve is more important 
It adds, uh, it, it, there, there's just a lot that happens in the uh, Magic Online Vintage Cube when it comes to forcing people into certain types of combo decks that you see over and over and over again. And I think you get more variety if, if you take some of that out, in my opinion. Hmm. But. Nice. Okay. What, now, what do they what do they push out, these cards that are coming into the cube? So, uh, oh yeah, I guess the second part of the question was companions, right? So uh, the Triomes pushed out um, some general utility lands. I cut Evolving Wilds and Terramorphic Expanse because um, they're very slow, just as slow as the Tri-Lands. However, uh, Tri-Lands being fetchable, making them much more valuable for your mana base. Um, I also cut some of the, uh, like maybe three other fringe non-basics. I forgot exactly which ones, but, um, I think there were a couple bounce lands that were in colors that were sometimes control colors, but mm-hmm. not always. Right now I'm down to Azorius and Demir is the only two with bounce lands, which I'm really happy about because those can be good in control deck, but that's about it. Um, oh yeah. And so I was gonna say companions though, I banned Lutri mm-hmm. the otter. So preemptively banned it. The reason being is I don't have infinite time to cube, and if I did, maybe we'd test it, but I'd rather have be speculative and have the best experience possible next time we cube with our friends. Um, and I just know that there's no downside to playing it. You're only going to get to have it. Now, we are going to try Lurus. The reason being, I don't actually think it's going to be a companion, and it's just a solid card to draft mm-hmm. in your deck. And it's a, it's a good card for like a recursive Orzov-type deck. Um, and hey, hats off to somebody who wants to warp their, their cube deck around what it takes to build a Lurus deck. So we are trying that. How, how often do you get to cube? We have been doing it like once every three months. And I say we, it's like me and a lot of my um, college buddies from play magic, like the Bravermans, um, uh, you know, several other people that I used to play with all the time. And um, we have yeah, by once every three months. And so we, we travel somewhere in North Carolina, Virginia, spend a couple days, get like an Airbnb oh, nice. and just, Oh, very cool. So it's not just like a, you don't just do it once and then that's it. You spend like a whole weekend playing cube. You're not like, yeah, like whole weekend cube. You're not like me where you build a cube and then it sits in its cube box (laughs) for the last year and hasn't been updated in a year because why bother since no one ever wants to play it? (laughs) Jerry's the loneliest co host. It'll be cool. It would be cool to do like weekly cube. However, it is pretty fun to do like the bingey, you know, get a, Big Airbnb and do a whole weekend yeah. out of it. It's pretty cool. So honestly, draft is the part of Magic that has suffered the most from quarantine. Like, there's no real way to draft in paper over over, you know, Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Um. All right. Let's see. What are the sideboard cards we should be looking at to defeat a meta with companions? I started looking at Force of Despair again. That's from uh, Brian Isaac. Yeah. I, I yeah. just skip straight to despair. <laughs> <laughs> eh, I don't I don't have enough, you know, knowledge yet of, of the format. There's way way more people that are testing this day in day out that could probably answer this question. Go back to saying you know using the JPA thing for a third time in that something that names a card, for example, that you know is coming is is a pretty obvious one mm-hmm. that you could play. I think my answer to this question though would be that not to go too deep on answering the companion itself. And rather be proactive about a strategy that is good against the strategies that you think people will be playing because of mm-hmm. the companion. Um, that's sort of like my that would be my macro stance. Going on one it. level, one level deeper, so to speak. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. <laughs> Frankie Rodriguez asks, "How could you allow the British <laughs> to explode kittens better than the Americans? And do you feel the Americans could have been victorious without the Chinese slash Canadian influence?" 
What? I have no <laughs> idea what this refers to. That's that's a meta comment. We had a when we went to a Pro Tour or a Mythic. Let's see, forgot what it was called at the time. But it was Mythic Championship mm-hmm. London, um, where the London Mulligan started. Uh, we all played exploding kittens in a bar, and it was gotcha. it was a blast. Oh, awesome. So. Uh, DJ Seco, this is what he always asks because he's a very creative individual. Uh, why male models? And we'll just move on from there. Uh, Cyrus Corman Gill. Uh, said to ask you about lemons, please. Do you have a comment about lemons? <laughs> no, I, I okay. have no comment. On we're that. just we're just fighting scurvy over here. That's all. I do want to say that uh, I'll, I'll throw it back at Cyrus and ask Cyrus how he feels about Popper Cube <laughs> and if he's ever had success playing Popper Cube. I've had fun so. playing Popper Cube before. <laughs> so feel free to PM him. And all right, we'll do. We'll do. He doesn't listen to these, so I'll have to. He's too big for us. I'm, He's too big for us. I miss Cyrus. I wish he'd play Legacy again. Maybe he'll come back with his new cat cat around. Who knows? Come back to me, Maybe Cyrus. Maybe him back in. We, uh, you know, didn't appreciate him. We were just ordering him around, asking for coffees. And I don't even uh, drink coffee. And I, made, I made him get me lots of coffees. <laughs> yeah. You said it wasn't the way you took it, and you sent him back for another yeah, one. Yeah, literally, you know that I, just, I take coffee, at, like, not at all. That's what it was. And then he, and you would just pour it into your plant behind yep. you. Yep. Plants, plants dead, and uh, and no one's here to get me my coffee anymore. So, uh, But I'm, I miss that little yep. guy. I hope he's doing well. We love you, Cyrus. Hope everything's going great. Um, well, that that went through all of our questions uh, from the Facebook page. Is there anything else we want to go over before we start wrapping it up? Well, it looks like we're forced to wrap it up because <laughs> Jerry's Zoom session number two is now. <laughs> I don't know why it's not launching under Pro Version. I have Pro Version of Zoom. <laughs> Zoom, why do you hate me? It's okay. It's it, I actually have that set because after that time period, the Chinese can listen in on the call. So it's. <laughs> It's for our own safety. Oh, good. Wilson. I like that. I like that. All right. Well, let's get into scoops and poops then, Jerry. Scoops? Who are you scooping in top eight this week? Uh, scooping into top eight. I'm going to scoop in our buddy Elijah for sending us that article. Yeah. Shout out to Elijah. Um, it's on the Facebook page if people want to read it, but it's just interesting. It's like 2015. Mario wrote about mechanic very similar to uh, companion. It was it was, compa- it was it was companion. Yeah. For the most yeah. Um, so scoops to him. Um, and for poops, Pat, uh, oil going negative yet. The stock market's still going up. Nothing makes sense. It's, anymore. it's amazing. It's amazing. The, the stock market can bounce back even though people aren't working. And it's almost like, it's almost like the rich are living a different in a different America than the rest of us are. <laughs> it's amazing. And the fact that, that <laughs> and the fact that we have to, you know, that the, the retirement plans of, of every, you know, middle to, to lower class American, is based entirely on the how the stock market performs is a travesty, oh. and I think I think that we need to restructure the way that we allow people to retire with dignity in our country. Wilson, did you hear Pat spent a stimulus check on a guillotine? <laughs> it costs exactly twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> I have seen. Uh, I have. No. Let's. I will say that I have seen multiple videos of people excitedly saying how much they love President Trump. Because he sent them twelve hundred dollars when no one in their family has ever given them a dime. So I'm just saying, like you know, he might have just bought the the uh, the election in the fall for himself with his stimulus bill. <laughs> we'll see. Oh man, I'm gonna pass it on to Wilson on that. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> right, let me control myself with some restraint. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, 
So scoops, I would, I'm going to scoop Philip Braverman, uh, ex brainstorm show co-host for getting back into vintage. And it's pretty cool. Like I, I built some sort of stock ish four color planeswalker vintage list. And Phil, who has not played vintage in years, just like whipped together a bunch of Grixis control cards. And it wasn't a deck that exists right now and was just like dominating me with it. <laughs> and uh, it actually seemed really good. And I was like, oh, okay. Welcome back, <laughs> Phil. Just accidentally um, makes a new vintage deck. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I, I actually, we were now looking at it and brewing it. And I'm like, okay, well, nice job. Like, I think he did build a new deck just by putting a lot of his cards together. But, he doesn't just do that. He's, he's a very smart guy. I he's think your other uh, former co-host Paul has started like a new uh, a new podcast too, right? Yeah, yeah. His uh, right. Super Michael Bros or something like that. Yeah, I'm going to be able to talk to Paul a little bit about that on uh, on Wednesday. I very guess. cool. So that's I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to check that out. I'm always looking for new podcasts to listen to. I hope it's it better be good. I mean, he, he, the brainstorm shows <laughs> this free content better be yeah, goddamn this good. Thing you guys are working on better be a fucking home run from episode one. That's all I'm gonna say, you don't release it till it's perfect, guys. No, but I'm looking forward to it. I hope they, I hope they keep it going and do well with it. It's awesome. Hell That's yeah! Great. So I have to do a poop. Well, we're our zoo. Is about to oh shut no, off. we have a minute thirty seconds. Oh, we get all right. Let's try to get this in time before this is over. Let's, all right, let's poop, do what's it. Your poop? We, have, we have time to talk about Marxism. Uh, what is my poop? Let me think. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't feel very negative. That's good. I mean, all, all of the the poops. There's low hanging poop when it comes to companions yeah. and stuff. But I mean, I listen, know. man. Uh, you know, for all the gripes you can have, if it's if it's just about a card game, then I think we're we're doing okay. I think we'd have to have, all have That's a right. little bit of perspective. You know. Um, exactly. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna scoop in. I'm gonna scoop in Travis and all the guys from the Legacy Pit. Uh, I want to thank them for having me on. It was a uh, was an honor. And a ton of fun, and it really uh, reinvigorated my passion um, for playing Paper Magic because that's really where I get I get to, that's where I get all the juice from. Um, I have uh, for poops this week. Um, I don't think I really have any. I think everyone's doing a good job. I think uh, I think we're living in a great time, even though there's some scary stuff going on. And I think that uh, I don't think there's another time in history I'd rather be alive than right now. You know, with all with with everything that uh, you know, all things considered, we li- we live in a pretty good time. So I think people should be appreciative of that. And uh, we're you know we're just becoming we're we're becoming more and more of an advanced society um, every single every single close day. Close it so. out, Pat. What's that? We got we got ten seconds. Where uh, can they find uh, us? Oh yeah, find <laughs> us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You know how the, you know the whole thing, Justin. You can cut it in right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wilson, thanks for coming on, out. man. Thank you for having me. Shout out to our audio tech Justin, who apparently does have uh, Zoom Pro, which I do. Yes, don't. he's the that's the he's fun the man. fact about. <laughs> oh, it's over. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to do this while this is over. This is going to be great. Uh, all right, you can find us at LALMTG. Uh, the this is throwing me off because the recording's over, but or the uh, Zoom's over. But uh, you can find us on Twitter at LALMTG. You can find Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can find me at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy. You can find us on Facebook. Um, find us uh, on, yeah, Facebook. You can get us on email, leaving a legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. Oh, Jerry's starting with another Zoom meeting. Hold on. Jerry, I, I I just did I just did the whole outro. I no, did, did it, yeah, but I'm gonna do it again.
since uh, that's no fine. no you're here let's let's it was bad so we'll just do it again okay is wilson not coming I back i guess he's not coming back that's okay. All right. So you can find Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can find me at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy. Uh, let's see. You can find us on uh, you can find us on Hips of the Coast. Um, you can find us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Join the Facebook group. Email us leaving a legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. Uh, shout out to, to Wilson Hunter. He's our awesome guest. Thanks so much for coming on, man. It was great to have you. Great to talk. And, uh, and and hang out, and we should do it again soon. Um, and of course, as always, thanks to Justin. He's our audio tech, our sound engineer. He uh, you know makes us sound real nice, and uh, you know edits out a lot of my stammering and mumbling and all that stuff. So we appreciate that from him. And uh, also, I heard he was actually the guy who dropped the ball in testing the companion mechanic. So you can send all your hate mail to him. Wow. I really wish Justin would take his job as a head playtester more seriously. Yeah, I mean, head playtester, editor for the podcast. I think he also saves animals in his in his spare time. So, all around good guy, except for that whole dropping the ball in the companion thing. So, he's got a lot to worry about. I understand. Yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> I'm not angry, Justin. I'm just disappointed. Jerry. You can't be angry when you're smoking that much weed. It's not possible. <laughs> it's not possible. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> all right, guys. We're gonna catch you all next week. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Bye. I don't know why my Zoom is on.